coming up today on the Lead to Succeed podcast. You don't go to networking events to sell. You go to work your way through what I call the VCP process. Visibility, credibility, profitability. Um, first, you have to be visible. People have to know who you are and what you do. If they don't know who you are and what you do, you, you can't start selling to them. We, we call that, in one of my books, we call that premature solicitation, which you don't want to say fast three times. That'll, that'll get you in trouble. Um, but you got to be visibility. Then you move to credibility, and that's where people know who you are. They know what you're doing. They know you're good at it. And they know you're good at it because they've seen you operate. Um, they've heard uh, you, know, you have a positive reputation. And then once you get to credibility, and by the way, that takes time. Oh, yes. That does not happen overnight. Then and only then can you get to profitability where people know who you are, they know what you do, they know you're good at it, and they're willing to give you referrals on a long-term reciprocal basis. And uh, that's why you go to networking events. Do you want to learn the tricks that top leaders use to get the most out of themselves and their teams? Well, Naftali Hoff is here to help lead to succeed. Picks the brains of top leaders to learn about their challenges, insights, and best practices. Here's Naftali. Hello, Lead to Succeed Nation. It's Naftali Hoff, and welcome to Lead to Succeed, episode 47. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Ivan Meisner. Dr. Ivan Meisner is the founder and chief visionary officer at BNI, the world's largest business networking organization. He has been called the father of modern networking by CNN and one of the top networking experts to watch by Forbes. He is a New York Times bestselling author who has written 23 books and is a columnist for Entrepreneur.com. He has been named Humanitarian of the Year by the Red Cross is the recipient of the John C. Maxwell Leadership Award and is the co-founder of the BNI Charitable, Charitable Foundation. And he still finds time to speak to people like me. Ivan, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, thank you. It's truly my, my pleasure. Uh, I, I'm now the Colonel Sanders of BNI, so I, I get to do uh, lots of interviews like this and I love it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. I, I'd like to jump right into talk to uh, talk about BNI. Uh, you know, obviously we all, we all love to network or we at least we should be thinking about networking often, but my understanding in doing my research is that BNI was not um, on your front burner, at least not from the beginning. In other words, it wasn't your career path the way you necessarily mapped it out. So, so how did you get to this point. What what motivated you to launch it and uh, and to bring it to this level? Well, I I um, went to a lot of different networking organizations before I started BNI, and uh, I went to some that were just incredibly mercenary. Uh, I would go to the meetings and I'd come back and 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 I felt like I had been slimed. Everybody was trying to sell to me, mm. and uh, I needed to go get a shower. I mean, it was it was horrible. And <laughs> then I went to these other groups. They were very social. It was happy hour and hors d'oeuvres. Nobody, nobody was doing business. I didn't like those either. And so what I realized that I wanted to participate in was something that had a focus on business but wasn't mercenary and a focus on relationships but wasn't totally social. And uh, put those together. And the glue that would hold it all together was this concept of giver's gain, which is our principal core value. This idea that if I help you, you'll help me, we'll all do better as a result of it. And I'd like to tell you, I had this vision of an international organization, but I just started one group to, to, to help generate referrals for myself and my friends. 
people came and they, they couldn't join because we take one person per profession. And they said, would you help me open up a group? Would you help me? And whatever. I ended up opening 20 chapters the first year, really by accident. And it was at that point that I realized I had struck a chord in the business community. And I realized that we don't teach this to colleges and universities, at colleges and universities anywhere in the world. We don't teach people how to network. And that's the point at which I then created the plan to scale uh, BNI. We now have 8,000, as of yesterday morning, 8,964 chapters in over 70 countries, 254,572 members. I get a daily report. Wow. Yeah. That's, those are real numbers that you must be getting daily reports on if you can remember those exactly. So that is unbelievable. And I really like the, the nexus that you talk about, because I think what you're, what you mentioned, Ivan, is really so important that on the one hand, some people come to networking events and they're all about selling. It's like, here I am, notice me, you know, hire me, this type of thing. And some people, maybe it's because they want to be super social or maybe they just don't know how to transition from being social to actually getting business. I think it's the latter. Yeah. I think it's the latter because we don't teach this. So we get people that use networking as a face-to-face cold calling opportunity and they're just trying to sell. And then we get people who just, they don't know what to do. And right. so it's, it's too social. And I think um, it's the, the reason that it, you see both of those is that people aren't taught how to network effectively. Yeah. And I would wonder if it's also true that some of it just relates to a person's confidence and their their comfort, the fact that some folks like myself are introverted and they don't necessarily feel like they want to work the room the way that, that others do. And so let's jump there or stay there for a minute and talk about what um, what would be some some good advice? Obviously, I'm not asking you to give us all of your all of your you know your wisdom here, um, but definitely would love to hear some advice about what do people do? They they want to get in real conversations. They want to really talk about what they do because ultimately they're not just there to be social, but at the same time they're either lacking confidence or or whatever it is. How do you help people kind of cross that bridge and get into a comfortable space? Maybe a couple of tips that would warm them up a little bit. And let me let me maybe. Um, get- get people at ease because they see me and they just assume I'm an extrovert. And frankly, I thought I was an extrovert for many, many years until my wife pointed out to me that you know, you're, you're an introvert. And we actually had a disagreement about whether I was an And so I went to my office and took a test. He <laughs> came back and said, congratulations, Dr. Meisner, you are an introvert. Interesting. Who is a situational extrovert. Mm-hmm. That means when you're in your flame, when you're doing something that you're really passionate about, you know, you come across as an extrovert. Otherwise, you're basically an introvert. Go apologize to your wife. I didn't say the last part, but I did. Um, so I tell you that because I believe introverts and extroverts can both be successful at networking. Introverts have a hard time <clears throat> meeting people, but they're great listeners. And one of the things I've said for decades is that a good networker has two ears and one mouth and uses them both proportionally. A good networker is like a good interviewer. Naftali, you're, you're asking me questions and you're allowing me to extemporaneously respond. Uh, that's what a good networker does. Now, they need to learn how to meet people. Yes. Once they meet people, they're good at connecting extroverts have no problem meeting people, but they can't shut up. And what's their, they love to talk. What's their favorite subject? Themselves. <laughs> yes. Without question. 
It's themselves. It's just Dale Carnegie talking about that botanist and that story that in, in his book about, uh, you know, just what a great conversationalist. And he barely said anything because he allowed the other person to talk. That's right. I love that situational piece. If I may jump in for a second, because I think that there's a lot of gold there. Um, you know, I also did not realize that I was introverted. In fact, frankly, I didn't even know what the term meant until I attended a leadership cohort many years back. And I was a school leader at the time. And it was fascinating to me that most of the people in the room came back as introverted. So that alone was a, a revelation to me that here you are interacting with hundreds of kids parents, teachers, et cetera, on a regular basis, and yet you are not drawing your energy from those interactions. You're drawing them from the privacy and the space. And we need to know that as leaders, because oftentimes I I, th I succeeded at what I'm, I'm almost certain, a full-blown extrovert in my last school leadership position. His door was always open. The opportunity for people to come in and talk was ever-present. And for me, I needed to close the door to have my working space and my ability to think and process, et cetera. And because I don't think I communicated that well enough, some people took umbrage with that. So you do need to know how you roll and you do need to be able to communicate it to the right people in order to make sure that the relationships are strong. But to your point, you know, I will oftentimes do a presentation, a lecture, uh, a training seminar, et cetera, and I get up in front of an audience and I tell people that I'm introverted and a lot of them look at me, you know, surprised because in the moment there's energy, there's, there's enthusiasm, you know, I work the crowd. I don't try to just stand behind a, a lectern and, and, and work my PowerPoint. And so I, I mention to people all the time, I don't use your language, which I think is great, but the notion of being a situational extrovert, I think is what you called it, or at yeah, least situational extrovert, yeah, where situational when you're in your flame, you come across as an extrovert. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. And then I'll go to the back room and I'll kind of like collapse a little bit because I've burned out all my energy. So, so you, you've already talk, taken us through some pieces over here, but I wanted to move into one other related question. What are some other networking insights that you can share that most people wouldn't necessarily think about or know? So here's, here's a, a real important one, I think. Um, a number of years ago, I was doing a presentation in London. And I don't know what possessed me, but I asked the audience a question. It was an all-day affair. People were uh, networking, and I was the keynote. And I got up there and... 900 people in the audience. And I said, how many of you are here? Just out of curious, curiosity, raise your hands. How many of you are here today hoping to, you know, maybe just possibly sell something? Naftali, 900 people <laughs> raised their hands. That makes sense. Yeah, I wasn't surprised. But here was the, here was the other question. Uh, second question, I said, how many of you are here today hopeful, you know, hoping, you know, maybe just possibly to buy something? No, no one raised their hands. Not one single person. This is what I call the networking disconnect. Mm -hmm. People show up at networking events wanting to sell, but nobody's there to buy. So people then ask me then, why in the world, why in the world should I go network if that's what's going on? Here's why. You don't go to networking events to sell. You go to work your way through what I call the VCP process. Visibility, credibility, profitability. Um, first, you have to be visible. People have to know who you are and what you do. If they don't know who you are and what you do, you, you can't start selling to them. We, we call that, in one of my books, we call that premature solicitation, which you don't want to say fast three times, that'll, that'll get you in trouble. Um, but you got to be visibility. 
Then you move to credibility and that's where people know who you are. They know what you're doing. They know you're good at it and they know you're good at it because they've seen you operate. Um, they've heard uh, you, know, you have a positive reputation. And then once you get to credibility, and by the way, that takes time. Oh, yes. That does not happen overnight. Then and only then can you get to profitability where people know who you are. They know what you do. They know you're good at it. And they're willing to give you referrals on a long-term reciprocal basis. And uh, that's why you go to networking events. So when you go to a networking event, if there's someone there you've never met, you're working on visibility. If there's someone that you know, but you want to go deeper and really maybe you want to establish that credibility, you have a different conversation with that person. Hey, it's good to see you again. Last time we spoke, you talked about this or that. How's that going? And then if you're at profitability, it's a whole different conversation. You see them, you go, you go to them and you say, how'd that referral work out for you? Or let me tell you the referral you gave to me. Completely different conversations. All of them are moving you up the process of VCP, visibility, credibility, profitability. Beautiful. Yeah, it's very interesting to me because I find that to me, one of the biggest challenges when I go to a networking event is having the ability to really follow up with people. You know, you, you get a lot of cards, you get a lot of information, you're trying to remember who's who, you know, and how does it all come together? That alone is a challenge. But at the same time, how do you do more than just, you know, a nice to meet you kind of thing? And what I find is that you'll oftentimes schedule a 15 minute conversation, I'll figure out a way to, you know, sit down with somebody over coffee, this kind of thing, depending on where they live and some of the other logistics involved. And to me, that really is an important piece. But I also personally rely on things like social media. LinkedIn in particular, but others as well, in order to really deepen not just the visibility, but the credibility piece. Like I'll use that initial conversation to connect on LinkedIn, for example, to collect a business card to make that initial connection. But it's through regular interactions that I'm moving myself through the credibility and then eventually, like you said, the profitability pipeline. In your case, it may be a little bit easier because I'm assuming that folks are meeting each other again and again. In other words, they're, they're coming to regular, you know, existing groups. And in that case, the conversation just sort of picks up from where it left off. Yeah, you can move to credibility a little quicker, but it still takes time. Yeah, for so sure. You and I are on the same page with what, the, what you just described. Uh, in several of my books, I talk about what I call the 24-7-30 process of follow-up. 24-7-30. Within 24 hours, reach out to somebody and, uh, you know, send them an email. I, I, email's not best. I think what's really best is probably a handwritten card or I recommend send out cards. I'm not associated with them, but I love that product where you can uh, send them an actual through the mail card uh, saying, hey, it was really nice meeting you. Don't sell to them. Just say, it was really nice meeting you at the event uh, you know, a few days ago. I hope our paths cross again. That's it. Within seven days, connect with them on social media, which is what you were saying. Now, here's the deal, Naftali, there with social media, where I, if you want to do business with somebody, you need to go where they are, not where you are. That's really important. That you makes need sense. To go yeah. Where they are. You, it sounds like you like LinkedIn. I like LinkedIn. I probably have more, uh, I have a lot more followers on Facebook, but um, I'm on both. But what you want to do is you want to find out where they like to be. And I learned this from my children. My eldest, when she was in her teens, she's 33 now, when she was in her teens, I would, uh, I would call her, but she would never answer. I would text her, she'd respond immediately. And I was like, you know, this thing is a telephone, right? You can actually speak it. Oh, yeah, Dad, I know. Yeah. So then my, my next child, she, um, 
Uh, I would call her nothing. I would text her nothing. This is a few years later. Uh, and I said to my wife, what do I do? You know, I can't get through to Cassandra. She doesn't respond. She said, oh, you got to, now this is 10 years ago. She said, oh, you got you to gotta WhatsApp her. I said, well, what's WhatsApp? I don't know what WhatsApp is. So I had to download WhatsApp. By the way, I still only have like two or three people on my <laughs> connected on WhatsApp. She's one of them. If I call her nothing, text her nothing, but if I WhatsApp her, she'd respond. Oh. My son, now I was really concerned because he didn't, you know, forget about the phone, forget about texting. He thought WhatsApp was so old school, but I knew he was a gamer. And so I knew that there was a platform called Steam, which had an instant messaging feature. So here I was in my 50s, and I downloaded Steam, purchased a game so I could get online and instant message my son, and he would respond right now. now so, I, I, I'm, I, so I'm going to push back. I'll tell you the story. Let me make okay, it. Tell my story. Go ahead. I, I tell you this story because. Yeah. It didn't matter where I wanted to be to talk uh -huh. to them. What mattered was where they wanted to be. And if you're trying to build a relationship with someone, you may love Facebook, but if they're on LinkedIn, then you better go where they are, not just where you are if you want to build that relationship. That's the point of that story. It's a great story and super powerful. But I got a question for you because I'm sure other people have the same problem that I have, and that is... It's just so hard. Like you talked about your kids. Okay, so so kids are different. One could argue. You know, we want to have relationships with our children. They're super important to us, etc. I'll do whatever I can to connect with them wherever they are. But I want to build business relationships. I've got work to do. I've got all these things going on and my head is spinning. And you're asking me to go find people on their favorite platform and figure out who likes what, where, etc., so I guess my question is, is there a way to kind of hack this a little bit um, to make it a little bit easier or a little bit less intimidating so that people say, you know, I, if, I, if I use a, a tried and steady strategy, for example, I'm going on LinkedIn 15 minutes a day in the morning. <clears throat> I'm not saying this about me, but in theory, or 15 minutes again in the evening, or I go onto Facebook, certain other platforms, I know that by just using the helicopter approach or whatever you want to call it, I'm going to fill my feed. I'm going to like and comment, et cetera, on a variety of different things in my feed as well. And invariably, I'm going to connect with folks. So so how do I manage my desire to become deeply connected and personally connected with certain individuals and at the same time, not just let that take over my entire day? Right. Well, let me let me just wrap up the last, the 24-7-30 with the 30 piece of it is the one-to-one -one meeting that you you mentioned. Okay. You want to sit down and have a one-to-one. -one. It might have to be by Skype if you're not close, but face-to-face -face is always best. Now, you, 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 the heart of what I think you just said was uh, really about time. Do we have time to do this? Um, and, and I think if you're in business, you better make the time. I mean, I'd, I'd like to win the Boston Marathon, but I don't like to run. I've always thought it'd be so cool to be a brigadier general, but I don't have time for boot camp. Um, you know, get over it. I, I have these people who say, I don't have time to network. Great. I hope you, I hope you have a big advertising budget. Mm -hmm. Because how else are you going to build your business? Well, you, you can advertise, and I believe in advertising. But uh, you got to have a budget. And oh, by the way, where do you come up with that money? you got to make sales. So you, you, you can advertise, you can 
cold call. Oh my goodness. I don't want to ever have to cold call again for the rest of my life. You could do PR, but even my publicist will tell you, you're not going to get new sales off of PR. It's a brand builder. So if you don't do those three things, what else are you doing? Come on, you go out, build relationships, get to know people, get to trust them and do business. What a great way to do business. And yeah, it takes time. How much time? I can tell you. We did a survey of 12,000 people from all over the world. And we asked them, how much time do you spend networking every, uh, every week? We found that on average, and by the way, 91% of the respondents said that networking has played a role in their success. 91%. Whenever you ever seen 91% agree to anything? That's good. Um, yeah, it's amazing. The average amount of time spent, and by the way, it wasn't just BNI members. It was open to the public. Um, the average amount of time spent networking on a weekly basis was six and a half hours. Six and a half hours. Now that's in going to networking events, that's in doing one-to-ones, that's in sending thank you cards, that's all their networking activities. Now, when I share this with an audience, I say to the audience, how many of you, your goal in life is to be average? They're like, well, no, (laughs) I'd like to be above average. Okay, so if you want to be above average, we have found, and there's a direct correlation, direct and dramatic linear correlation between the amount of time people spend networking and the percentage of business they generate through networking. So you spend more time, you get more business. Uh, We have found that the, the, the optimum point, the sweet spot is probably about eight hours a week networking. And in the same way you devote time to doing whatever else you do, you block off eight hours for networking, for building relationships. What a great way to build a business. It's not mercenary. It's not social. It's, it's connecting and building relationships with a purpose. So just to clarify, are these eight hours including time online and social media, sending emails, things like this, or is it just in direct conversation? It, it, okay. Yes. With a caveat, if you, you know, something happens to the space time continuum when people get on social media, they click on a, on a video, which takes them to another video and then 45 minutes later, they're watching some stupid cat video. And so, um, no, it doesn't count that. Right, obviously, yeah. It, but, it, but it should count, <clears throat> uh, you know, connecting with somebody and saying, hey, I love that post. I really learned something. You know, interacting. Commenting, interacting, yeah. Interacting. Messaging. Yes, but here's the deal. Go ahead. And I've said this for years before there was a thing like social media. You have to diversify your networks. If you put all your eggs in one basket, you, you are not going to build a powerful personal network. So you want to build a powerful personal network. You need to belong to a, like a casual contact network, like a chamber of commerce, a service club like Rotary, Lions, Kiwanis. You need to be active in a group like BNI where we get together and we can pass each other referrals. And you need to be active on social media. But don't put all your, it's, it's like going to a financial planner and having them say, put all your money into this. That's a bad financial planner. So don't put all your time into social media. Put, put some time in social media. Put some time in a BNI group. Put some time in a chamber. Diversify your kinds of connections and spend about eight hours a week. You're going to nail it. You're going you're gonna to build a powerful personal network and get almost all your business referrals. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. So let's actually talk about the referrals piece because I think, you know, it, it's great to have these conversations, but I want people to send people my way. And some people have a hard time making that ask. You know, I can say to you, you know, this is what I do, et cetera. How do you help people get others to refer to them? What tips do you offer? Well, first and foremost, uh, refer them first whenever possible. 
So when you get to a point where you both you both have uh, credibility with each other, you you believe they're credible, they believe you're credible. First and foremost, our our principal core value is givers gain in BNI. Uh, you give to someone. You you want to build a relationship quickly with somebody. Sure. Help them out. You help them out. It could be a referral. It could be advice. It could be anything. You do that first, and uh, then you're building that relationship. Now, let's say you've done that, and now you're looking for them to, to support you. Uh, it's really important to get laser-specific about the kind of business that you do. And this is counterintuitive. What happens is business people say, I'm a full-service whatever. I can do everything. And that's way too vague. Nobody can remember that. Nobody can hang their hat on that. There's no, no memory connection there. So you've got to get laser-specific. And maybe sometimes as laser-specific as saying, you know, I'm looking for an introduction to this person at this office in this city. Sometimes getting that laser specific, especially in a networking group, works way more effectively than, hey, I could, uh, you know, I can do with any, anybody, anybody in town that you think might need this. It's too, too vague. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I want to go back to something you talked about before, um, because I, I've seen quite a bit where the head honcho, if you will, you know, the CEO, the leader will not necessarily be the one out there in the networking space. They may send some of their other people. How, how important do you think it is for company and organizational leaders themselves to be out there doing this? Or do you think it's sufficient uh, for them to build their businesses to send some of their rank and file? Um, so the answer to that question is you got you got to be realistic about the roles. Um, I'm no longer doing sales for BNI. I, I don't I don't go out to meetings and invite people to BNI meetings. I mean, I invite people as I meet them, but I'm no longer involved in sales. Uh, if you really want to scale a company, at some point, the owner is not doing the day-to-day -day sales. In the early days, you know, you're chief cook and bottle washer. You're right. doing it all. But as you scale a company, if you want to be successful, you have to learn how to work on your business not just in your business. So the short answer to your question is, yes, they need to be out there networking, but they're networking at a different level. They're not networking to make a sale. They're networking to find new ideas, information. They're involved in organizations like maybe Vistage or uh, you know, uh, Young Presidents, YPO, um, where it's knowledge networking because they've got to hire people, they got to train people, they got to deal with legal issues, they got to do the trademarks. And, and networking is just as important, but it's not about sales exclusively. They may do some, but it's about all these other things about working on the business, not in the business. So um, that's where you have the sales manager and the sales team. They need to be doing that. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. I, I'm hearing a lot of Michael Gerber in the, uh, in the on versus in piece. And I think that that's really critical. And a lot I of us forget Michael that. Gerber's book in 1986 or 87. And I modeled um, much of what I uh, did with BNI off of the E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Yeah. It's a fantastic, it's a fantastic book. Yeah. A really great resource. And it helped me to rethink my entire process. You know, I have a, a client that I work with who does legal services, uh, serving legal papers on behalf of, uh, of landlords and, and lawyers and whatnot, dealing with evictions. And, and, and he is just an example of somebody who is very much in the office, dealing with the day-to-day. -day. And, and I could continue to work in our coaching process to get him to a point where he's able to 
you know, go well beyond, you know, scale the business and bring in the right people to support them, et cetera. And this is something that I think is 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 important on, on all levels, that, that the leader always has to be thinking about the vision, the future, how do I scale? And then how do I bring in the right people to do the kinds of things that maybe I've done in the past, but no longer need to be doing because the business needs more for me than that. So that I, that I think is really great. Now you've talked, we've talked about meeting a lot of people. I'm going to stretch your imagination just a little bit here with this question. I'm going to ask you if you had an hour to spend with someone who you can't access today, but maybe a historical figure, for example, um, who would it be and why? Uh, probably Nelson Mandela. Um, I, um, I have unbelievable admiration for uh, what he accomplished in his life, where he came from and what he was able to do and how he was able to put aside what would have been um, anger at a level that most people just could never recover from. And he put that aside uh, for the best interests of his nation. And that to me is just amazing. Yeah, it really is very special. Okay, so I have one last question for you relating to networking before we pivot. And that question is, you know, I think for many folks, the hardest part of a networking conversation is at the very beginning. You know, how do I make that initial connection with somebody? So what's a question, a statement, a strategy that you could recommend that could break the ice and maybe something we wouldn't otherwise think about, you know, something more than just what's your name, what do you do, that kind of thing. Yeah, well, listen, uh, what do you do is an important question because you can't, you can't lead on with other questions until you know that. But if you want something to lead up with first, uh, here's a great one. How did you hear about tonight's event? Or how did you hear about this organization? Uh, one of the interesting things about that question is yeah. you will often find overlapping connections. I've seen it where one person would say, um, oh, my friend Sally invited me. And the other person said, oh, my goodness, Sally, you know Sally? I know Sally. How do you know Sally? And then they make a connection with this a person that they both know, whereas they had <clears throat> no idea that they knew that person beforehand. So I think that's a great question to get things warmed up. But then I, I ask, you know, what do you do? What, uh, tell me about what you do. But then uh, from there, I, I try to go deeper by saying things like, what? What do you love most about what you do? What do you really enjoy uh, about what you do? And um, uh, what, you know, what, what's your target market? What, what are the kinds of clients you really love working with? And I just try to get them to open up about what they enjoy most. Uh, and, and I generally wrap up after multiple questions, I wrap up with a really important question, and that is, what are some of the challenges that you've got in this business? And the beauty of that, and you can't start with that. You can't say, oh, hi, Naftali, I'm Ivan. Wait, what are some of your challenges? <laughs> yeah, what are your challenges? Who are you, and why are you asking me yeah, that? Yeah, why are you asking me that? But after you ask these questions, you'll be amazed at how many people will say, you know what, right now my biggest challenge is this. And if you could then say, you know, I know somebody that works in that area, and don't sell to them, okay? <laughs> this is not an opportunity to sell to them. This is an opportunity to make an introduction to connect them. And if yeah. you say, I know somebody that can help you with that. Or I, I read an article recently on that. Would you like me to send it to you? Now you're giving to them. And that's a great way to start establishing visibility. I'm really, I'm really glad I asked this last question because in your answer, 
Yeah, three different pieces, each of which we could talk about for a really long time. Number one, the importance of making a connection. Because again, if you're sitting there, I know you talked about how BNI, the structure, I don't know if it still is, but certainly was, you know, one person per industry. But if you're but if you're at a larger event, you're oftentimes encountering many people per industry. And even if not, you're encountering many people and you want people to be memorable. So making a connection, something like how did you hear about it, getting a little bit behind the scenes, if you will, knowing who who they know and how they got there, that automatically is going to help make somebody more memorable. You talked about passion, which is really important as well, because that's ultimately who we are and what drives us and, and the story behind the story, if you will. And then for me as a coach, this last one was the real gold, because that's my question that allows me to have conversations with people that ultimately determine if I could be helpful to you, which is what are your challenges or what's the biggest challenge for you in your situation right now? It's, it's not pushy. Obviously, like you said, you have to have some relationship before you could ask such a question. But at the same time, it creates the space to determine, can I be helpful to you or not? And I ask them that question. Would you be interested in talking about this further? Would you like to set up a call where we could unpack that a little bit? And that creates a whole new level of conversation. And frankly, my biggest challenge when I started in coaching, I'd moved, like I said, from school leadership. My biggest challenge was how do I get people into a coaching conversation? And having that question asked made a big difference. I, I would, I, I would be slightly careful. And, and by the way, I started my career as a management consultant. I was sort okay. of a, a coach before there were coaches, because uh, I worked with smaller companies. Um, I, I'd be careful in doing it in that first conversation because people are so used to being sold to that if you could just give them information and then stay connected on social media, and then on that thirty days connect with them and say. I've been following you. Remember we met uh, at such and such place. I've been following your social media. I love it. I'd love to get together and learn more about what you do. Maybe you can learn about what I do. And then at that meeting, maybe you find opportunities to talk about the coaching. But uh, don't, uh, don't jump in too fast. I call it sales Tourette's. People yeah. just... They just blurt it out against them. I'm really glad you clarified that because, frankly, that's that. my intention wasn't to say that I asked that question at the initial conversation. Um, it's when I have a relationship with them that I then go there. Uh, even then, sometimes you feel like, you know, people really want to be sharing their challenges with me. That's a different piece where we're not going to get into right now. But, yes, you are right. I, I certainly wouldn't do it right away. And if I do hear that people have a challenge, in most cases, I will try to offer them something to be helpful initially as we as we deepen the relationship. Okay, perfect time to transition now to our rapid fire. And these are short and sweet, just, you know, the answers that come to mind. The best investment, Ivan, that you've ever made other than a stock or real estate? Education, without a doubt. Three action steps that every leader should do every day. Oh, that's a good one. Um, I think you need to manage your calendar. Don't let your calendar manage you. Uh, you need to recognize good, uh, good behavior or good performance in others uh, every day when, whenever possible. Uh, and you need to lead by example with a positive attitude. Nobody, uh, nobody wants to do business with someone, to work with somebody who's toxic and difficult. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. A book other than one of your own many books that you would, that you would get, that you gift most often. Oh, the E-Myth. We talked about it. Okay. I have given away the E-Myth to more people than any other book ever. And that book's been around for more than 30 years. And finally, three morning rituals that help you focus 
um, and, and seize the day? Uh, I uh, exercise every morning. Um, you know, nothing crazy, but uh, about a half an hour of exercise every single morning. Uh, I do. Um, I have a steam shower that I use every single day. And the thing I love about the steam shower is that it it, it clears my mind. Sometimes I get some of the best ideas just sitting there, clearing my mind. Almost, it's a form of uh, almost a form of meditation. Uh, and then the third thing is um, I plan I plan my day. I, I mentioned that earlier. My calendar is is so important and I block off my calendar, uh, including free time, including time margins where I need to think, I want to think about, and I block off times to just think or assess issues. And uh, if you do that, then you control your calendar. Your your calendar doesn't control you. Yeah, it's super, super important. And I like the way you added that last part about thinking and the steam shower and everything else. Because in today's frenetic society, it can be so easy to just grab your phone and look what's, you know, what's latest, what's buzzing, what's happening. But you need to be able to own your time. You need to be able to own your mind. And, 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 and the clarity and the structure you've offered is fantastic. What did you want to add there? I want to add one thing um, on the calendar. I color code my calendar by topics. So, uh, you know, phone calls are one color. Face-to-face meetings are one color. Uh, you know, important calls. Calls with lawyers. That's, a, that's always red. <laughs> what color is podcasts? Uh, podcasts are green. Okay. So any interview is green. Any writing is green. Any speaking is green. Strategic planning is green. So I can look at my calendar immediately and tell at, at that moment whether I am working on the business that day or in the business by if I have a green day. It's gotten to the point where my wife, uh, I'll be coming down. I'm my, my office now, I, this is my home office. I'm 53 steps from my house. And as I'm coming downstairs, my wife will say, do you have a green day today? Green day. And, and green is great. So I not only schedule things, but I color code it to know if I'm doing the things I should be doing. It's so interesting because you're out in Vancouver, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, I'm in uh, Austin, Texas. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. I'm confusing you with somebody else. My apologies. Okay, because I was thinking of green there and that the whole, the whole city really has a, a focus on it. Anyway, I digress. So before we wrap up, tell us, please, how can people reach out to you? How can they find you? And how can they uh, learn more from your wisdom and your experience? Well, thanks. Uh, listen, anybody that's interested in BNI, you can go to BNI.com. Um, we have chapters all over the world. My, I have a blog. Everything up there is free. It's Ivan Meisner dot com uh ivan uh, m-i-s-n-e-r ivan meisner.com and I, i've got a new book that um i would love for people to take a look at it's called who's in your room it's the first self-help book i've ever done uh and it's about how you create your your create your your best life and so it's not about networking but it's kind of about networking because it's about the people you surround sure. yourself with sure um, and uh, check out that book I, I i wish i had that book when i was 17 Oh, yeah. The, my book, which is Becoming the New Boss, is a book for, for new leaders. And I, I say the same thing. It's the book I wish I would have had. Hold it up there for just one more second yeah, so sure. we can see one more time. It's in your room. It's yeah. available uh, on Amazon. It hit number one on self-help a few months ago. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Okay. We're going to get all of your contacts and everything else on the in the show notes. So before we go, I know how busy you are. And I really thank you so much for coming on. I know we, we worked on scheduling this a couple of times and, and, and you were very flexible and really appreciate all of that. But leave us, please, Ivan, with one final life lesson that we could take with us and, uh, and, and really sort of cap uh, this great conversation we've had today. 
Oh, so I've had so many. Yeah, I've earned this gray hair. So I've got, <laughs> I've got lots of life lessons. But I'll give you one of my earliest that has been with me the longest. Uh, as a young man, I was 13 years old. I was a bull in a china shop. And I would just knock stuff over. And my mother gave me, when I was 13 years old, this paperweight. It is still on my desk today. And it says, diplomacy is the art of letting someone else have your way. And she said, son, um, you got to learn how to work with people. And this is about collaboration, not manipulation. It's about learning how to work with people, not bowling people over. Probably the best advice uh, I've ever had, advice that I continuously <laughs> strive to achieve, uh, but uh, definitely good advice. Diplomacy is the art of letting someone else have your way. This is certainly not a political podcast, but I have a feeling that uh, some folks up on Capitol Hill could benefit from that from that paperweight. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, thanks again so much for your time. It's really been a pleasure. Uh, looking forward to getting this out there to everybody soon. And uh, on behalf of all of Lead to Succeed Nation, thanks again for coming on the show today. Thank you, Naftali. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and for investing in yourself so that you can lead to succeed. Before you go, don't forget to pick up your copy of Becoming the New Boss on Amazon or at becomingthenewboss.com. If you've already got your copy, be sure to rate the book and leave a comment. 